0: Hello, language enthusiasts, and welcome to The Language Worker, a space to talk about the people involved in the language business in a broad sense. I'm interested in finding out how their training, work experience, and their passion for languages has shaped our guests' professional and, of course, personal lives. Join me on this journey to explore the multiple and unpredictable paths one can follow when we are involved in the magical world of of languages. On this episode, Antoni Maroto will talk to me about how the language that he started learning when he was a child became such a relevant part of his work. Anthony has recently moved to Portugal and it really seems like he will make the most out of it, both in business and his private life. So, here we are with Anthony, not Anthony, right? I'm saying Anthony because I'm speaking English. Antony. <laughs> Antony. <laughs> if you pronounce it in Catalan, it's actually? Anthony. Anthony, right. Let's talk about my Catalan situation a bit later. So uh, this is our episode about Antoni, uh, who's here with us because obviously he's also a language worker and he's a good one. I started following him uh, on LinkedIn probably a good year or so ago because his content was good. And now, because all of a sudden he became a fellow uh, Portuguese person, <laughs> all of a sudden, not a Portuguese person, but he now lives in Portugal. and that even sparked my interest a little bit more so thank you so much for being here it's going to be great talking to you because it's actually the first time that we're talking anyway and I'm sure uh, we'll have a great conversation because you're interesting and I already know that so could you Uh... at least (laughs) let us know a little bit of your background in terms of work I know you studied languages but how did all that start before actually getting to university?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me here, Rita. It's a pleasure to be here. I also, I've been following you for a while on LinkedIn, and I also love your content, and I'm happy to be doing this here with you. So regarding your question, uh I guess it all started when I was, I don't know, six years old, and my mother had this vexation that I had to learn English, that the English uh, that was being taught at school was not enough. So she enrolled me in an English-speaking school that was after regular school. So she essentially deprived me of part of my childhood. Like, I was only allowed to see my friends on the weekend. Because you were studying... Because-
0: English <laughs> because I was
1: studying English you know like every day after school so I wasn't a part of the um, after school life that my colleagues had you know so that's how it all started.
0: Oh wow but apparently you didn't hate it so much. <laughs>
1: <the> no <laughs> I didn't hate it because you know since I'm kind of, of an introvert I'm okay with not being with uh, people like I enjoy my alone time or not being social at all times because it takes a big effort to do that so I wasn't that mad I mean sometimes I was (laughs) of course because I would miss uh, events but now as an adult, you know, as years have passed, I'm very grateful that she made that decision for me because I don't think I would be here where I am if it wasn't for her. So Hmm. yeah, I owe it to her.
0: I have never heard about a mother forcing you (laughs) so early. Not
1: forcing me, but (laughs) kind of like you have to, because they also try to like enroll me, you know, like they like, I tried like so many sports. I was never never that good at sports, so English there has to thing. be something I could <laughs> I could do. So, yeah.
0: and then I still I still tennis, went sorry. the sports
1: route too, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with tennis. But that's another story.
0: <laughs> ah, mm, so there is a sportsman in there somewhere. Yes.
1: <laughs> so then, there used to be.
0: <laughs> well, it's always time, I suppose, and you're super young, and you can do anything you want. <laughs> So but then after that experience, so you became fluent and you liked it and you enjoyed it and you learned it, obviously. And then after all that, how did you decide that you were actually going to continue with your language studies uh, at university?
1: So uh, around the time that I was 14, we were started to like be talked about the importance of getting good grades to get into the colleges and the degrees that we wanted. And when I was presented with options that I was interested on, the only one that I found interesting enough to pursue a college degree was translation and interpreting.
0: Mm. So it was so that's,
1: <laughs> that's how I decided, you know, that I would continue furthering my language studies and learn to translate and possibly, uh make a living as a translator which everybody told me oh it's so difficult if not impossible this and that and all you need to tell me is you can't do this because i will prove you wrong i'll like do anything that's in my hand you know to like be the exception to the rule if possible wow so, then you, during
0: your studies, you were very interested, obviously, and you continued well, your language studies in English and other languages or just English?
1: So, it all started with English, but then I I took four years of German. Mm. Um, to, how was it? Uh, I studied it in something called Escuela de Idiomas, which mm-hmm. is uh, like... School of Languages that's financed by the Spanish government and allows you to to study languages for a very modest price.
0: Mm-hmm. This in Catalonia?
1: Uh, this is available all over Spain. But of ah, course, right. yes, I, I studied in, in Catalonia and then I was able to use part of that time. I claim it as credits for, for college, for my degree. Mm-hmm. Okay. I took uh four years of Russian because when you uh take uh translation and interpreting, you generally have to select um, a few languages. Your main foreign language language, which in my case was English, and I went with Russian. And then I had the option to add another one, and I went with French. Oh, well <laughs> so I okay. took, I took two years of French mm. and then over the years I kind of you know like flirted with a few languages like here and there on like duolingo and and stuff but, It was two years ago that I decided that I would study Portuguese. I didn't have in mind, you know, that I would end up here. But Mm. because I actually started studying Brazilian Portuguese. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I only switched to European Portuguese because I realized like, well, now that you're going to go live in, in Portugal, it makes sense that you learn the same language that they speak and use there. And it's still early to be able to make the switch. So exactly. but the problem here is that there are so many Brazilian people that when I talk to them, I switch unconsciously. Yeah. I like go along with them. You know, I end up, you know, like sounding just like them. Yeah. yeah Which I hope I, I hope I hope they understand, you know, that I'm not mocking them or anything. I'm just, you know, like <laughs> trying my best. But it's very hard, you know, to keep it European for me for some reason. I guess because I studied it before, you know, when I when I talk to a Brazilian person.
0: Yes, it is tempting. (laughs) Just go after them. (laughs) Yeah. And then when you finished your studies, what happened? Did you become a translator immediately? Did you have other jobs? What happened?
1: Halfway through my degree, I started working because due to, you know, like, life circumstances, I did not just study. I had to combine it with work. So that's why if you look at my resume... It took me eight years to finish a four-year degree, but it's because I had to work at the same time, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't do it, you know, at the expected rhythm speed. So I started working in 19 years ago, and even though I was in the customer care industry, Uh, it was because I was able to speak some German and English. Right. And and that entailed, of course, you know, that if you, you know, this thing that so many people have that, oh, you know two languages, you know how to translate. So that's how I started translating. Even though I wasn't properly hired as a translator, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the tasks that I had to take on was, of course, translation. So that's how I got started. And that's how it continued for the next uh seven years like Mm -hmm. I was a commercial agent as a technical specialist uh customer care but always with foreign languages and that included communicating in those languages interpreting translating you know and that's how I spent like what I call the first part of my career then I started thinking, like, I have to do more with my life. I can't be working, you know, customer care, you know, like, I want more money. I want more freedom. I need to venture on my own. And that's what I did. I started doing it uh, part-time in 2011. And by 2016, when I moved to the U.S., Mm -hmm. that's when i said like now it's the time to go full-time as a freelancer and that's how it's been ever since
0: so the states had a huge impact in your career from many points of view which i understand because i can relate to because that's what happened (laughs) to me because what we have in common also is the fact that we have lived I guess in the same three countries, <laughs> right? Because you went from uh, Catalonia to the United States and then to Portugal, right? And right. in my case, I went from Portugal to the States, then back to Portugal, then to Catalonia, <laughs> and then back to Portugal. Okay. So I okay. did
1: live
0: <laughs> in Barcelona for two years, while working as a project manager at Transperfect. So that's what I was doing in Spain. <laughs> so I guess we have lived in the same countries right now, right? Oh,
1: yes, we have. <laughs> so call, how was that?
0: I know, it's insane. I was like, oh, wow, we have lived in the same three countries in different places, except for Catalonia. You probably, maybe you weren't living in Barcelona you weren't there all the time. But I was only in Barcelona, and I really enjoyed it. Of course, I had been there before for vacation and all of that. It was never a huge plan to actually live there. (laughs) But it just happened for work. So, and I learned a lot (laughs) from working at the company and, of course, enjoyed my time in Barcelona. But I know that the States had a huge impact uh, for many reasons that one day we will discuss. But how was it for you? Did you get there and immediately continued your activity as a translator you did other things
1: so at that time because I had been working part-time people may think you know that working part-time allows you you know to like have a lesser uh, amount of work but it's not really how it works when you work part-time at something in my opinion you kind of miss on like the full experience so I was getting work, but it was sporadic. I didn't really, you know, like, have any, like, important, you know, like, relationship with any clients. So when I moved to the U.S., I it was kind of like starting from scratch, essentially. And...
0: I can relate. It took, That's what happened to me, too.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it took me a year to get, you know, at full speed. And that first year that I was, you know, like... Uh, trying to build my client base I was also I took an part-time job as a pet sitter so I was Mm -hmm. translating and walking dogs taking care of cats feeding fish and birds and and I loved it I'm I'm not gonna lie it was it was great the only I would have continued if it wasn't you know like so poorly paid but because I love animals but Mm Yeah, moving to the U.S. changed the game for me because it allowed me to have the full experience, you know, as a freelance translator. And, yeah, I was... The reason why I got into medical translation was because I moved to the U.S. because I had never had a request for medical translation while living in Spain before. And moving to the U.S. was like the the priority, the main line of work that I found so that's how I got into it so for that alone it was worth moving there and then of course uh in the U.S. I was able to charge more than I was charging in Spain you have to too because life is more expensive there so it's a must obviously but I felt like uh Respect that I didn't have in Spain, you know, like I, for the first time, I felt respected as a professional in the US. I felt like in Spain, it was kind of like, I don't know, I didn't feel as respected. So that was definitely a game changer, too. And I became ATA certified, which opened a lot of doors for me. Like, I know certifications are optional. They don't really prove much except that you've passed an exam. That's, in Mm -hmm. this case, very difficult to pass. But it opened a lot of doors for me, and especially one thing that people always ask me is that after getting ATA certified, I have not had to take on translation tests Mm. anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of implied, you know, that if you pass an exam that's renowned to be very difficult to pass, that it has a pass rate of less than 20%. So I guess, you know, that if you can prove that you've passed that, it's kind of like obvious that you know how to translate.
0: Mm -hmm. So you also have a certification, I think, as an interpreter, do you actually work as an interpreter or that never came into play?
1: So the interpreting part, I don't have the certification, but I took the 40-hour program that's required to take on the Mm -hmm. certification exam. Mm -hmm. The reason that I took it's because I wanted to increase my medical translation knowledge. I wanted to become more familiar with the terminology and the settings and stuff. I thought, why not? And I considered, I mean, my, um, my story within, with interpreting is uh, let's give it a try. It could work for me, but maybe not. I don't know. No, nah, I don't think it, this is for me. So I had tried interpreting over the phone, you know, in my previous jobs before I took the self-employment route. And when I moved to the US, I also started getting requests to, requested to interpret at medical settings. So Mm -hmm. I said, why not? Let's do it. So it was very well paid, but the problem that I had with interpreting is that I felt it was very demanding. I could not edit myself. And because of my nature as an introvert, I guess, and because I like the comfort of being at home, having to go places on a regular basis was not really for me. Like I I could, I was doing it like on occasion, you know, like I had mm-hmm. a couple uh, clients that would rely on me as the last option. If someone, you know, like quit last minute or couldn't right. attend for whatever reason, because they were already booked. I was, you know, like the the last available option and I like doing that because I was able to do it on a not on a regular basis but I guess I like the experience I like you know being paid for it and I believe that all the patients that I interpreted for they all thanked me after even if I didn't speak you know Latin American Spanish because I would I would let them know it's like just so you know I'm originally from Spain you know I'm going to speak different let me know if there's something that you don't understand nobody ever told me anything Mm -hmm. they were all super grateful um and i considered it with the when uh the pandemic started you know like because of course i saw um, a workload decrease in translation projects so i thought like maybe i should Uh, at interpreting as another source of income like regular income and that's when I took the course but I uh, ultimately decided against it because yeah for the reasons I told you earlier Mm -hmm. that I think I would have you know like been doing something that I wasn't really enjoying uh, Mm -hmm. doing and by that time too I had discovered medical writing and since I've always seen myself more than more as a writer than a speaker, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, that's what I end up taking on as another source of income. You know, like besides medical translation, I also work on as a medical writer. So the medical interpreter career uh, right now is a closed chapter for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I totally get it. It's, it's a whole other <laughs> type of thing. I totally understand. So when you say you're a medical translator, is that any, I'm sure there are particular subjects within medical translation that you specialize in or that you prefer, that you're more familiar with, that you work with the most? Or is it? Uh,
1: I mean, I'll generally take on anything as long as it is not too technical. And of course, mm-hmm. considering who the audience is, like, I may say no to something that's too technical or that's aimed at uh, healthcare professionals because I am not a healthcare professional. Mm. I prefer writing for patients because I think that takes a talent too because you may think like, oh, it's simpler. Well, it is is a skill, you know, to simplify things without losing the intended original Mm -hmm. meaning. So nothing, you know, to like dismiss there. And... My favorite area is anything related to imaging and radiology.
0: I hear you. (laughs) I also enjoy that.
1: (laughs) I have, I don't know why I have a big fascination with all, yeah, all the techniques and the applications. And I guess it all started because I used to, I still do, but I used to while I was in the States, uh I used to uh take on translation projects that involve translating um uh, clinical histories of patients and of course there would be imaging studies, you know, like included and yeah, it makes sense. Because yes. And because they use, you know, like very like specific uh language i was very curious and i started you know like um studying about it and mm-hmm. i felt like i think this is my favorite area so that's what i enjoy the most but i'll generally take on anything and everything regarding the the human body and then another area that i love is pharmacology mm-hmm And, of course, anything related to um, clinical trials, whether it is to, you know, like test uh, a drug or a medical device, that's something that it's up my alley too.
0: Mm -hmm. Very good. So I, of course, as I suspected, your um, presence in in the States had a lot of influence in your career. But the question is, do you think that coming to Portugal will also have an impact and probably not the same type of impact because now your career is a little bit more solid. But how do you see that being in Portugal is going to impact your career as a translator?
1: Honestly, I didn't come to Portugal for... I did this just for personal reasons, not for... I mean... I love that I'm back in Europe and it's going to allow me, you know, to like, I hope, make mm, contacts. I mean, to retain my US customers, but also um, get European uh, customers as well. Mm-hmm. But regarding that, I came here uh, looking for a simpler way of life. I love mm-hmm. one of the reasons I love it here in Portugal, it's because People don't seem to be in a rush and I love that in the US everybody is busy, everybody's always running and things and I don't see that in Portugal and I love it and yeah, I like uh, how comfortable life is is here. Yeah, I wanted to be back to be closer to to family. Uh, My husband used to, he's American, he used to live in Barcelona with me, and he was actually the one always telling (laughs) me, like, whenever you're ready, you know, to go back to Europe, let me know, because I'm in, Mm -hmm. like, he doesn't want to, he didn't want to really be in the US, so the moment that I decided, like, let's try Portugal, it was like, yeah. Let's go ahead and let's make it happen. And here we are.
0: <laughs> yes. And I, I hear, I, I read your posts about it. And I'm fascinated by the details that you are focusing on. Obviously, a lot of language related content and you're having fun even going to the supermarket. So I've been reading about that. Uh, so what do you think the future will entail for you living in Portugal, working as a translator, what's going to happen from here onwards
1: uh well i really can't see the future i prefer to take day w- i'll take one day at a time but i always hope things are working out for the best and that means you know that i'm gonna continue to like increase my income, find a better balance between life and leisure and work and be able to travel and visit places and be healthy and yeah I have I'm positive about the the future in general, whether it's work related or life related.
0: Okay, that's great. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Now that I know that I have another reason to visit Porto, I love it in there, but I cannot wait to to have a coffee in Majestic Café with you. (laughs) Yes, please. Let's
1: make it happen. Whenever you're in town, please let me know. I'll be happy to to meet you and show you. Are you very familiar with uh, Porto?
0: I've been there a couple of times. You can say that. I, I know a little bit about porto i've been there probably three or four years so the last time but i really enjoy it i'm actually such a fan of porto (laughs) that i really need to go as soon as possible so that we can have a real coffee we can talk a little bit more about our experiences in the three countries where we have lived (laughs) and about our experience in translation so thank you very much And I do hope that everything goes okay with you and that you enjoy staying in Portugal forever as much as you do now, as long as you stay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.